0: You are listening to Metrics and Chill, a podcast about business metrics and the interesting ways that people improve them. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Metrics and Chill podcast. Today, my guest is some guy, Patrick Campbell, from some company, <laughs> ProfitWell. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Patrick, Patrick, and I have been playing tag here for a little bit on the. On the calendar, but we finally got him on the show. And today he's gonna talk about revenue per customer. So, something he's slightly qualified to speak about given the product and your uh, expertise over the years and um, consulting around pricing. But he's gonna walk through revenue per customer and obviously how the team there at Profitwell identified this area as an opportunity. Why was this a priority? What they did to improve it? And then, obviously, uh, the results and, and how they go about measuring it. So, Patrick. Great to finally have you on the new old podcast. I, I think you were on Ground it. Up already. But yep. now you're on Metrics and Chill, which it's the same pod, new name, new focus. So welcome back. I
1: like, it. I like Metrics and Chill a lot. I like <laughs> just the name. Like I don't know how much time you spent on that, but that's that's awesome.
0: Not um, not long. It was honestly we were rewriting copy for a page and it was for DataBox's feature where you can stream your dashboards to your TV. And nice. so like one of the One of the bits of copy I was writing was like one of those bits of copy where you get to that like, oh, you just do this and boom, voila. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do the like, oh, just voila. So I was like, oh, you just uh, enter the code and press enter and metrics and chill. and Perfect. Because it goes to your TV. And then I showed it to Pete. I was like, Pete, this needs to be something. Um, Yeah, it's great. And he was on board. Yeah, it's very cheeky, but he was on board. (laughs)
1: That's good, though. I mean, cheeky sells, cheeky spreads, these yeah. types of things. I think, yeah, it's, you and I could talk about content for days, and I know that's not our goal here. So I was just about <laughs> to go into a content content <laughs> conversation. But, uh, yeah, life's good, man. I'm, I'm living in COVID, COVID paradise, as everyone else is. And, uh, yeah, ready ready to chat. Hopefully, I can be helpful.
0: COVID Paradise sounds like a, a a really bad TV show that takes place in like yeah. Miami. Like on the Lifetime Network yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: it's like it's not Miami. It's like Key West. Yeah. Like I think Key West is probably where it's at. Slightly like, older demographic. Miami, yeah. The second season, there's like a Miami, <laughs> like not quite spinoff, but sub storyline. That's probably what it Hopefully is. Hopefully no right? spinoff. No spinoff. <laughs> I don't know. NCIS, you know, what's funny. Fun fact. Um, I've been, th- this one's been in my head and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So listeners or watchers hopefully find it funny. NCIS, the number one show right now, uh, it's like 16 million or not even 16 million. It's like some like one point some million views per week. Like something like that. Like NCIS is, is, is basically the number one show and it's been the number one show for quite some time. That's why it has all the spinoffs. And so True it's crime, just, man. Yeah. I mean, it boggles my mind. And, and here's the other fun fact is the lowest rated television show, I think in like 1978 or something like that, got 16 million or some crazy amount of viewers per week. Um, but <laughs> so <laughs> oh yeah, that was the lowest. Yeah, that was the lowest-rated show. It was Rob Lowe's first show. I, I've just been researching this for some some metaphors for a post. But, anyways, <laughs> this will get cut or should get cut. Let's jump into metrics. <laughs>
0: I love that though. I love the dedication to sitting around looking up obscure television references for a blog post. That commitment right you there. Got to do it, man. Yeah, got to do it. All right, so yeah, let's yeah. jump in. So today, as I mentioned, Patrick or PC is going to be talking to us about revenue per customer. So. This is where we usually start is why revenue per customer, right? There's, there's a lot of areas that you can focus on as a business. Yeah. Why now? Why revenue per customer? Like how did you identify this was the area that, you know, you you should prioritize?
1: Yeah. I think priorities always change. Right. But I think the big thing. Revenue per customer is one of those oft overlooked metrics inside a business. And, and we've been talking about like pricing and retention and things like that. So so we kind of like have focused on this area of a business. But what I found really early on is like if you look inside any business and, and we have a metrics product and so we've been helping people like, you know, analyze their businesses for a while, that's the number that's always flat. And when you look in businesses that are really growing, that number is like always going up. Maybe not as high as leads and acquisition and all these other things, but revenue per customer. And you might measure this as ARPU or ACV. There's a lot of ways you can measure it. But it's it's one of those numbers that if that number goes up, it impacts so many other numbers in a really positive way, um, in terms of growth. And and ultimately it's, it's, it's oft overlooked because people think it's hard to influence. And so I'm a big fan of like being like, Hey, yes, make sure your foundation's all ready to go. But you also want to make sure that that number isn't flat and it's at least going up quarter over quarter.
0: Right. Right. And yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I remember when I was at, uh, I worked for another software company. Um, and, uh, this was a very sensitive subject at the time. They were bootstrapped; they didn't really have a sales motion, and so they took on a big round of private equity. And uh, obviously, there was a lot more interest in yeah. revenue per customer, bringing on, bringing on a sales team, and that kind of thing. And the the whole culture of the company was was sort of against it. It was this very strange. Thing and I, yeah. I wonder how much of that goes on as well, um, especially for younger startups. When you you know when you get to that point where it's like okay, revenue per customer is, is is a is a you hit like a critical mass of customers where revenue yeah. per customer becomes a better growth opportunity at least short term than like adding new customers. Same thing with like website traffic, right? When you get to a critical mass of yeah. blog posts, sometimes updating the old stuff is going to give you more short term benefit than than publishing that yeah. new. Um, but anyways, yeah, I wonder how much of that is a cultural, a cultural thing for uh, specifically younger startups.
1: I I think just the idea of price and that's where, so, so revenue per customer is influenced by basically price and the number of things you're selling to them. Right. right? So, and there's a lot of ways you can increase your price. There's a lot of ways that you can sell more stuff, you know, to, to customers. I think the the issue is, is that like these types of things sit at the, the precipice or the, the nexus of uncomfortable and important right? And kind of like religion or politics or these types of things, it's like, y- you don't want to talk to your customers about price. It's like, we all know we're in business, but we're all just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can like price something. I don't know if I can like talk right. to them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to raise price. I don't want to make them aggravated. It's not comfortable, when uncomfortable. Yeah. So cus- yeah, you're just uncomfortable. And, and normally when like a PE firm comes in, it's like, that's the first thing they do is look at the pricing Mm -hmm. because no one touched it for a decade (laughs) and because you know, that's the first lever and all of a sudden they raise the price or they change, you know, how they sell the packaging or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, that revenue per customer goes up and no one left. NPS is still just as high. Uh, Retention is still just as, it just as good. But, you know, a lot of people end up being philosophically against looking at it because of this whole, like, I don't want to make people mad. And it's it's just like a false, like a false objection, in my opinion. I mean, you can definitely do right. this
0: wrong. Right. I think what, it's what was like that billboard Mark Andreessen, like, bought, uh, he bought a billboard in San Francisco years ago It said, like, raise your prices and that was it?
1: <laughs> I don't remember that, but I, I actually yeah. should know that, but I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. look that up. Yeah, I, I forget what for book
0: that. I read that in, but he, um, it might have been the... Uh, the hard thing about hard things or I, I can't remember. Um, Interesting. but yeah, he, uh, the, it could just be folklore, but I, I, I'm going to have to look this up afterwards, but I'm pretty sure he bought a billboard in, I don't know, within the last 10, 15 years. And all it said is raise your prices.
1: That's great. <laughs> I
0: like that. I like that. That's awesome. Because it was the same thing you were saying, like most companies you do don't notice a significant drop off, or churn, or yeah. customer satisfaction, or anything like that. So I would say, prices. yeah,
1: I would say about eighty-five percent of companies I talk to, they're underpriced. Like just a straight up pricing. And again, revenue per customer can be influenced by a bunch of other things as well. But eighty-five percent of the companies I talk to, they're underpriced, and it's because they never did anything with their pricing. The only thing that they right. did was. You know, it's kind of guess. And then they get customers, obviously. And then they're just like, well, it must be right. And it's like, well, it's not that it's wrong, but it's not a right or wrong thing. It's more of like optimization. And so yeah, it's just really interesting. Um it's really interesting, just the psychology of building and, and metrics, you know, all these types
0: of things. Right. So so tell me like how did you how did you and the team approach this in terms of increasing revenue per customer profit? Well,
1: yeah, I think for so, so the one the the hammer we've been talking about is, is price increases, right? So for us, um, really early on, it was a function of two things. Um, one was just raising the price uh, and doing testing in order to see like where we could go. And then the other was that kind of justified doing this continuously was kind of going up market, right? Because theoretically, you can have the exact same product. And if you go up market, it can Serve that same customer if you go into a different vertical it can serve that same customer and there's nothing you need to change about the product But you can just charge more, right? right? And so that combination about getting more confident and getting better at researching where we should be priced as well as moving up market I think for one of our products. We were able to basically go up go up market uh, <laughs> or not or raise our price in some way like every quarter. Um, and it wasn't to the same customers. It was all to right. new customers and things like that. So that that's what made it easier as well. Um, the other thing that we did is th- there's this concept uh, for, so for one of our products, um, we're able to do this really well, but we aligned our product to what's called a value metric. So how you charge. Um, and if anyone's heard me speak about anything, I always talk about value metrics. So yeah. sorry if it's a broken record, <laughs> but like you know, we charged it based on, you know, a floating number. So as they used more, as they got more value, they they paid us more. And and that was really powerful because um it just baked this expansion revenue into how we made money. So as they used more, as they got more value, they just ended up paying us more. Um and then the third thing, just to kind of round it out, and I've been implying it, is multiproduct. Um one of the most like underutilized pieces of growth in general, but I would say for revenue per customer, is you have customers who are happy. Uh, sell them more things,
0: uh, yeah. you know,
1: <laughs> like, and it doesn't, it, it's hard to build additional products. Like we kind of chose that just given where our market is, but um, you can unbundle some things and make them add ons. Right. And, and a little like heuristic for, for folks listening um, or watching is if you have a feature or piece of your product that less than 40% of people in that tier or in that, you know, particular group are using, it's a really good candidate to pull out and then charge for, because that group probably is willing to pay for it. Um, not not always, but that, that's a kind of right. a, a starting point for the analysis. And you can theoretically sell it to the entire base rather than just selling it to the people in that tier. Um, priority support, for example. Um, there's 20% of your base right now, I don't even care what product you have, consumer, B2B, doesn't matter. 20% of your base is willing to pay for priority support. Uh, because they've been burned in the past, they want their phone call answered first. Um, now, they might not be willing to pay enough to justify like. Putting some software in to do some prioritization and stuff, but um, you know you have to do that analysis. But th- those are kind of the three things: sell more stuff. Uh and then basically charge in a way that as they use more or they're able to, you know, get more value, they're paying more. Um, and then ultimately just make sure you're understanding your price point and your value. And if you're in a business that's growing um, and you're adding more features, theoretically your value, you know, perception should be increasing as well.
0: And for those that don't know, can you talk about the profit well just product line for a minute? Because I know you've, you've sure. had the consulting in the past. I, I think you still do some of that, correct? And then you have the… Uh,
1: it's not consulting. That's a naughty word, at Profile, but that's fine. I can explain that. Um, yeah, we have a core. So we have this core product. It's called Profitual Metrics. Um, basically, you plug in your billing system and we serve subscription companies. So B2B SaaS, uh, consumer subscriptions, subscription e-commerce. Um, but you plug in your billing system, Stripe, Zora, Braintree, whatever, and we give you free access to all of your financial metrics. So your churn, your cohorts, your benchmarks, your segmentation, everything you need. And then you can port it into tools like Databox as well. We have an integration built out to combine it with everything else. So we kind of clean the data and and give you really accurate financial data. Um, And then the way we make money is we basically have these two products uh, one is a piece of pricing software that does like pricing market research and there's a service element to it That's why sometimes people use <laughs> the, the C word to describe us, but our margins are software margins uh, That's that's my always retort to a lot of people uh, who say that and then the retain product is we basically help you automatically recover uh, cancellations and churn so we're, we're able to do a bunch of fun stuff with the data to um, Basically automate uh, churn reduction, which is pretty cool um, But what's kind of cool is the metrics product we have about 20% of the entire subscription and SaaS market using that product. And so it just gives us this huge bevy of data to kind of learn from, particularly when it comes to like things like revenue per customer.
0: Right. And then the content that you all produce too, right? Like you have so much, uh, meaningful data, uh, that makes the, the shows that you produce and the content that you guys put out. Um, I don't think there's anyone even close, right. To, to sharing the type of data and reporting on the type of data that you all do. Um,
1: yeah, we, uh, we, we took it, we took it I think people like to understand like what's going on and that's what we kind of latched onto was yeah. like, Hey, we we're in this unique position where we can kind of show you what's going on and like hopefully answer questions, especially when there's like so much for lack of better phrase, like BS out there yeah. around like, Oh, you should do this. You should do this. Well, in reality, no one really knows. Let's at least get some data where, you know, we can at least show the bounds of, of the problem, if that makes sense.
0: Right. So was there any specific... Like when you talk, like raising prices, right? I don't want to say it's straightforward, but I'm more interested to hear about any specific value adds or new services or new features that you used to sort of uh, upsell uh, current customers or happy customers, as you were mentioning. Was there anything specific that worked in that area in terms of increasing the revenue per customer?
1: Yeah, so the couple things. I think for one, um, we we found like priority support actually worked really well uh, yeah. for us now now priority support for us was a little bit different because um, what ended up happening is we we at least with price intelligently um, we had this whole concept of being in person, right? So while we're not consultants, we do compete with consultants. Because when someone's like trying to figure out pricing, they think, oh, I got to hire that guy who's at that firm. We went to business school together and he's smart and we'll we'll hang out, right? For us, like, we're like, that's cool. Like, they're going to buy you dinner and hang out with you. But... What we're gonna do is we're gonna like do the data and all that part, and we're gonna help you in that way. And so we do compete, but what what we used to do is is we used to be like we're not gonna meet with you in person, <laughs> like we're not like we're not gonna add that cost. Um, and this was pre-COVID. And then what we did is we would charge for in-person like kickoffs and things like that. And we would charge because what consultants normally do is they put like all expenses like covered, you know, by by the company, right? And there's might be some caps and stuff, but for us it was like this flat rate. So we not only looked like Oh, we can provide everything that they're providing, uh, but at a better price. Um, but it was also one of those things where it was like just a really good like marketing moment for us. Right. Um, and what's kind of funny is like we aren't doing in-person stuff right now, but we definitely just kept the price where it was. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny because like it didn't really affect that conversion. So that was really helpful. Um, other things, and this is something that I don't know if you guys do this, but it's something you could um, real-time ingestion. In real time, like data um, right. for the metrics product. So our, our metrics product, we give away a lot for free, and the whole goal there is to basically get people. And, and we've had this actual like feedback, like make them feel bad for not paying us anything. <laughs> like that's that that should be your goal if you have a free product. Um, and then like it makes sales conversations really easy, but it also makes it you know you can put different add-ons on top of it. So for real-time ingestion, we'll typically charge for um, that one. Worked really really well, and then. Uh, we've started to kind of roll out um, some different features that are just like more functional for some of our products that are working well and and that's just a game of picking you know do we bundle it, do we make it an add-on et cetera and some of those are ending up being add-ons as well
0: right so for the real time ingestion, is that like um you have t- I would assume like do you have tiered plans and it's like uh, the way it works for for data is like you know synced synced daily, synced uh you know hourly, that kind of thing. Um, is there a similar setup in terms of, uh, ProfitWell, um, where the real-time ingestion is, is sort of the most expensive element that you could pay for on any tier or do you have to sort of upgrade to a different tier to get it? Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit less, like, it's a little bit less nuanced than that. So we, right now it's just actually really blunt. It's like you have this free tier and then we have these add-ons um, that you can just add to your account. And technically there's a bundle that has all of them in. And so it's kind of like a little, what's called a hub and spoke where it's like, okay, if you want priority support, um, we can basically put you on this plan that gives you priority support, real time ingestion and a couple of other things. Sometimes people are like, I just want the priority support. The price is basically the same. So it's more of just like, going with the motion that the customer is bringing to you and just having the right SKUs to support that. Right. Um, it actually doesn't, it doesn't get that complicated, which is great because, the hub has all of the features and the spokes are just separate basically. And so it's, it's not as if like the the product team in this case needs to, cause they run, we run all of our support through product. Um, it's not like the support or product team needs to like learn anything too,
0: too crazy. It's just one, one kind of like thing that they need to think through. And, w- uh, in terms of the structure of the team, do you guys have like an inside sales motion or is it, you yeah. Yeah.
1: So we have, um, We have kind of the product like growth style. Yeah. Basically, we have inbound outbound. So inbound handles um, free users, content, all that kind of stuff, Um, and and we try to automate as much of that as humanly possible, so that we don't need to, uh, you know, have a human deal with you know certain things. Um, Not that humans aren't great. It's just you know good volume and trying to parse through and things like that. And then we have an outbound crew as well, and then those kind of go to the AE. Um, People can sign up touchlessly, but. Uh, normally we, um, you know, we, we try to go for the call cause the people we kind of care, it's not that we don't care about everyone, but it's like the people we're targeting typically are a bit bigger. Um, and then kind of the, the smaller folks who come in through the free product, like we get them all on board, but they're not like the primary revenue target for us, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Yeah. Got it. And so what can you share? Like, what are you able to share in terms of where you were able to take revenue per customer? Like how long of a project was this? 12 months, six months. And, and in terms of results, like what were you, what have you been able to see in terms of the changes that you made? Yeah. So
1: it's kind of a constant thing for us and, and it's a little like, um, but I can give you some more concrete stuff. I think for us, um, our, so let's, well, we can talk about our pricing for our pricing product, and this is why it's like obviously a constant thing for us um, right. because we we you know our product does this, therefore we should be good at it. Um, but for that product, um, it, it, it's a continual process. I think the initial time it was kind of um, very much like every single call that you have, even if it's like a sale that's not going to go through or anything, like your job is to kind of collect some information, and this is when it was just me and Peter, right? Just like two people at the company overall. Um, and so that was very much like collect information. And then like every single deal it was, you use that information to basically hone the price in more. Right. So you you, you could actually see it over three years. Our our ACV just like kept going up. Like every single deal kept being more and more. Um, as we kind of got better at the product, we got better at our brand and these types of things. I think some of the other pieces like The the multi-product game we're playing, because this is very much like at the core of our growth, um, it is just a consistent thing. Um, I will say, like, let me give you a little more concrete like things. So when we're trying to figure out those add ons, like real time data, those types of things, that was like a three month project. Um, We collected a bunch of just like support data, like what are what are the support and product people hearing already? Um, We did a little bit of research. We went out to our customers and our prospects and we basically started collecting some data around um, what they preferred, what they didn't prefer, where willingness to pay was. Um, we took in that data, made a couple of decisions, um, because, you know, data is never going to be perfect and you know this better than anyone. It's just, it's not meant to be perfect. It's, it's meant to help you make a decision. Um, and then we made a decision on like what that structure looked like. And so, um,
0: yeah, it was about three months
1: and then just kind of deploying it is, is always a constant thing to, to basically improve.
0: Right. So it's interesting how it's a continuous thing, which makes sense as well, um, given the product. So like what, um, I'm trying to see if I could put a number on this. Like what, over the last 12 months, would you say, like revenue per customer, yours is always trending up. Uh, Like, what would you say the increases look like over the last year or or maybe last six months, three months, you know, um, when you started making some of those changes?
1: So I would say our revenue per customer is probably over the last 12 months and you got to keep in mind we have really focused on like getting better at going up market. So it's right. a little like so it's not just like pricing changes. It's also sure. like the multi product stuff and also like pushing kind of our sales team and our marketing towards like, you know, an upper market or a mid market, I guess it would be. Um, so we, we've definitely quadrupled like our revenue per customer in the past 12 months. Um, and a lot of that's just from getting bigger deals. Right. Um, and then also like, cause our prices have not increased that much. Um, but yeah, a lot of that's just more deals and then sell, getting better cross selling essentially.
0: What is uh? what, yeah, what you kind of touched on this a little bit just then, but like, what does up market look like for profit? Well, more of like the enterprise level company, like who were you serving before? And like, what, what does up market mean? Like give us that context. Yeah.
1: I think, you know, frankly before it was just kind of, all over the place you know right. like we, we didn't really start formalizing our sales te- like we had sales for for the whole history of the business but we didn't really start formalizing the sales team until about nine months ago probably a year ago at this point um and we didn't really start formalizing like some of our targets like we had loose targets but it was we, we really reevaluated it probably about 18 months ago right and then So, um, before it was kind of like what was coming in and a little bit of targeting and that got us a lot of like you know, like you have a free product. So you have a lot of just Johnny and Jane startups coming in, right? And that's not really our target because we had this weird situation where for some of our products, it was like all these little little startups. And then, you know, we would have like Schneider Electric and Simmons, you know, come in for right. a pricing product. And those are like Fortune 50 companies, right? And so we just basically started to kind of define our floors, right? So inbound will take anybody, right? But from, from kind of a, a, a target inbound and a target outbound, We started getting to the point where it was like, if you're doing less than 10 million in revenue, like we should not be actively pursuing you. Right. Um, we'll take you, and and you're worth money to us, like real money to us. Don't get us wrong, but like at least 10 million. And really, the average is, I think, our our target for our uh, pricing product is you're probably averaging 80 to 100 million in revenue. So right. we do have folks who are you know 30 million smaller, but normally we go after like big dogs. And then for the retained product, the beauty of that product, and this is not necessarily the topic we're talking about, but just for some context, the value feels the exact same to a small company as to a large company, meaning you feel good about the value. So if you're a hundred million dollar company, you're like, Holy cow, this is so valuable to us. And if you're a hundred thousand dollar company, you're like, Holy cow, this is so valuable to us. And so what that allowed us to do is just define that market a little bit better up front. And normally like right now, the average there is probably between 30 and 50 million, but we're trending upwards for that product as well.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And the free product, like what type of, uh, what type of I mean you must get a ton of users, right, through there. Like what type of volume do you see there in terms of um in terms of signups and then um I know you said you you alluded to some product led, you know, initiatives that, you know, are are probably triggered in the product in order to get people the right people to upgrade and things like that. But what is like a yeah. what's well, like an activation rate look like for, for free users in the product that actually become paying customers?
1: Yeah, it's tough to say because it's we don't really look at like a pure like first 30 days. I know a lot of people look at first 30 days, that's normally not our focus because the free we're playing with, there, there's kind of like two, maybe three types of free if you really wanted to go deep into it. Like the, the, the two types of free are typically um, uh, like a faux free trial where you give like a limited version of your product. Yeah. It doesn't feel limited, but like you hit, if you're the right type of customer, you're gonna hit whatever that milestone is within 14 to 21 days or you should. So you give me a hundred opens, email opens. If I'm the right customer, I should hit, you know, a hundred email opens 14 to 21 days in, if that makes sense. Um, And then from there uh, we do the other type of free, which is basically forever free. So it's kind of like the hub, it's another hub and spoke. So it's like we have this hub and then we go for for, for the spoke. And so um, we upgrade for spokes. And so what we try to do is we try to like play a little bit long term where if they're a good lead, like meaning they fit some of the criteria we talked about, um, we will basically like, you know, go all out for them like as they sign up. And there's a little bit of a different motion that we use. Um, but if they're not like, if they're kind of a smaller company, like they're you know doing 10k a month which nothing against 10k a month but if they're not like going to be targeted by our sales folks we're a little more reactive right and so this is the thing with free to paid like i have i get asked all the time for free to paid metrics not just for us but just benchmarks based on the data that we have and when we pull it the numbers are all over the place like the variance (laughs) is so high so for us like Are free to pay. Like I don't even focus on that metric. Um, I I focus on it in a very reactive way. Like we track it for our board and stuff like that, but it's not something that we really worry about on a day to day basis. Mainly because there's a lot of these little guys that come in. We do track it when it's like, hey, how many like larger companies? And there's a couple different bands that we use to define that. Um, And normally that's like looked at it over a six month cohort as well. Cause you don't want to just look first 30 days. That's a, that's a thing that a lot of people with freemium miss is that you want to look at that cohort over a little bit longer period of time.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah. We could, I mean, there's so much nuance to this. Like we could get into this. So like what, yeah. uh, what content properties should, should people check out if they want to learn more about uh, not, not just profit well in general, but a lot of the data that, you know, you're aggregating and sharing with, with, with everyone regarding the subscription economy.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, so we have a, we we basically launched a network for subscription companies. And so it's just profwell.com slash recur. Um, And uh, long story short, that's where we publish everything. So I think every day we're publishing something, which is kind of cool, especially being like a bootstrapped, non heavily funded company. So (laughs) we're pretty proud of that. Um, but yeah, we publish all kinds of like data, not not just on pricing. Like we do a lot of case studies on pricing where we'll actually collect data for a brand um and and basically like we call it pricing page teardown, or if you're in D 2 C, it's called D to C priced right. Um and then we have some retention shows as well and and we publish lots of like reports and stuff like that. So yeah, hit me up there and if you don't want to like go through and try to find something like or Google it, like feel free to just hit me up. Um I'm just Patrick at profitable.com um, and I'm always willing to, you know, oh yeah, I know that post i wrote it three years ago <laughs> here's, here's, here's the right one for you that type of thing which i'm sure is like very similar for
0: you yeah right? yeah for sure yeah and speaking of show names d 2 c priced right i like that i like that
1: yeah that that was so here's what's funny about this we so we started expanding our our market to like we were really well known for b2b SaaS. that's where we started and then you know we expanded into other subscriptions consumer subscriptions and subscription e-commerce and we literally were filming pricing page teardown and we were like oh, we should just do the same thing and just call it something different for (laughs) D2C. And that's literally what happened. And we, we came up with that name in 10 minutes. We're like, what are we going to call it? Like literally the guys behind me in the monitor trying to figure out the graphic. And it was just, it was, it was DC a pretty quick one. Right. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty quick one. And, and that's kind of, you know, sometimes the names, like we talk, we started off talking yeah. about names, they come pretty quickly, which is feels cool. like
0: there should be like a wheel that you spin on the show. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a game show yeah, element actually, to it. Yeah. I like that a lot. We like
1: it. I like it. I like it.
0: Anyways, Patrick, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing so much. Great to, to have you back.
1: Absolutely, man. Appreciate it.